Law school there at LSU, and uh, you know they do all these little competitions or whatever, like these tri mock trials and appellate competitions. When I was like, well, you know, I, I'm going to try some of that. That might be good for me or whatever. And uh, I guess I brought that same intensity um, into those uh, competitions because I can remember I, I got up there and I was just like, Your Honor, everything opposing counsel just said is ridiculous, and I'm all going all over the all over the, the, the room or whatever. And when I got done, the, the, the judges and the professors were all just, just like this, looking at me. And uh, one of them was like, Mr. Ringo, um, you're, you're at about a, a 10 right now, and, and we need you at about a 2. So um, I, I'm going to try to sit here, because this message that I'm, I'm preaching tonight is not really uh, a jump around and, sh and scream in your face message. It's, it's necessary, I think, for us to hear, uh, certainly for me to hear. But uh, I'm also glad Josh introduced me, because... You know, I've been coming to the ring now for, for 10 years, which is nuts. But um, I, I still see so many new faces, you know. And uh, I, I just really hope that, that, that you guys that are, that are coming to the ring, that you'll really prayerfully consider um, making this, you know, your home church, if that's where you feel led. You know, because um, I think what I, what I love the most about this church is that we may not have a lot of, you know, the, the menu of programs for you, to, for you to jump in on. But I think we do a really good job um, of, of equipping people to minister in the way that they're gifted. And Josh has been talking about their, your spiritual gifts and how to best utilize those. And I just really hope that, that we use the term get plugged in, that you, will, that you will make this a place where you come and minister, where you reach the people that God has placed in your lives. Because that's, that's really what we're about, and that's what we... Uh, what we want here. So, okay, after that rant, I'm going to get started. Um, I'm talking tonight about humility, which is, is a tough subject for me. I think it's a tough subject for everybody to acknowledge, but it's a tough subject for me especially to preach about uh, because I think, I think pride and, and becoming humble is something that, that I struggle with every day. Um, I, and, and as I look back at my life, I see my pride and my selfishness manifest itself in so many different ways. I mean, I think, I think rarely do people say, you know, I'm, I'm better than everybody else. And that's just a fact. I, I just am. I mean, that clearly is pride. And we clearly need to work against that. But I think pride is a lot more subtle than that a lot of times. And I look back in my life, like I, right out of college, I got a job with it with a guy who is now the governor, and it was just kind of a fluke deal, and uh, it was really awesome, you know, and I was getting to meet all these really great people, and I'm 22 years old and going on all these trips. I really started, you know, he started winning all these elections and everything, and I really started to feel important to the point where I would, like, steer conversations to where people found out what I did for a living. I wanted them to know that I worked for Bobby Jindal. That's pride. That is, that is pride in, in its essence, and I think that that the Bible is very clear that if we are going to be a people after God's own heart, and if we are going to be passionately pursuing Christ, then we need to cloak ourselves in humility. But the problem, though, I think, is that humility is, it's not something that we can attain in this life. 
it's not something that, if, that I, I will never be able to get up on this stage, and no, none of our elders or Josh or anyone will be able to get up on this stage and say, I have now achieved humility. And if you listen to me, I can show you how to be as humble as I am. Because it, in and of itself, it's a contradiction in terms. I had a roommate one time. He would always talk about uh, Scott Brignac, for those of you who remember. He would always say, he was like, you know, I really feel like God has blessed me uh, with, just, with just a lot of humility. I think, I think if there's one thing that, uh, that sets me apart and really makes me a really good Christian, it's my humility. He was always joking or whatever, but you hear that and you're just like, whoa. I, I don't know, but, but the truth of the matter is that humility is an unattainable goal. Mark Driscoll says that pride, in his, in his sermon, he says that pride is something that you can achieve right now. You can be prideful this instance, this instant. But humility, it's not something that you can wake up one day and after a lot of trying say, I am now humble. But it is the pursuit of humility that we're called to. The daily waking up, denying ourselves and saying, today, whatever situation comes my way, I'm going to understand that Christ is everything and I am nothing. And I think that's, that's the goal that we need to strive for every day. Because I really think that when we get to heaven, that the first part of heaven is going to be humility on our part in, in, its, in its purest sense. I think when we see Jesus face to face, that our only natural response is going to be humility. We are going to understand that we are there. We are in heaven solely because of what he did and not because of anything that we've done. And so we need to take that, that picture of we get to heaven, we see Jesus face to face, we all fall down and realize how awesome he is and how glorious he is. We need to take that to our lives, to constantly be seeking to imitate Christ and recognize that he must become greater and we must become less. Um, you know, I just feel like that has been my lifelong struggle. And if I was going to shorten my message down to like a crux, so like one sentence, it would be that. It would be that Christ is everything. We must recognize that and embrace our place in this world, which is to acknowledge that everything that we do, every good thing that we do in our life, everything that comes from us comes from Christ. Because that's what Paul talks about in this message. Now, all right, we cannot talk about humility without talking about its what I call its arch nemesis, which is pride. Um, and like I said, pride is subtle. And I got some quotes here. The definition of pride is the excessive belief in one's own abilities that interferes with an individual's recognition of the grace of God. Pride is all about me. Sorry. Uh, one of our early church fathers, Augustine, Augustine, I don't know how you say that. Um, we say Augustine in the South, but I think, I think it's supposed to be pronounced Augustine. Uh, he says that pride is the love of one's own excellence. Uh, Thomas Aquinas said that pride is, or he says, excessive self-love is the cause of every sin. The root of pride is found to consist in man not being in some way subject to God and his rule. Now see, like I said earlier, you, very few of us will probably sit down and say, well, you know what, I mean, I, I'll just admit, I'm, I'm, better than, I'm better than everyone I know. Uh, and it display pride in that essence. We may not think that we are above everyone else, but we may exhibit pride in the way we react to those that are in authority over us, mainly God. Like, like he's saying here, it's, pride is, uh, is found to consist in man in not being in some way subject to God and his rule. And I love this. British pastor John Stott once said, pride is more than the first of the seven deadly sins. It is itself the essence of all sins. And I really believe that. I think you can trace every sin 
whatever it may be, back to pride and selfishness. Every sin that we commit, I think, can be traced back to our own pride and our own selfishness. Like, real quick, we're not going to turn there, but the creation story, perfect example, Adam and Eve, when sin entered the world. As a kid, I was always taught that the first sin committed was when Eve ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is true. But eating the fruit was a symptom of the sin that she had already committed in her heart. And that is her saying, I am going to be equal with God. It was that pride welled up in her. It was that pride welled up in Adam. It was that selfishness saying, I don't need God to lord over me. I can eat this fruit and become just like God. That is pride. It's what got Satan kicked out of heaven. He was one of, the, one of God's angels in heaven. He became prideful and God threw him out. I think that that sin through Adam has been passed down generation and generation. And now every single one of us in this room struggles with pride, independence, and selfishness every day. And I think pride, I think it surrounds us. I, I, I think it's not something that we, own, we individually struggle with, but every image that we take in, I think, is, is, uh, is oozing with pride. Um, back to the creation story, when Adam and Eve first sinned, they were, they were naked, right, in the garden. We all remember the story. They were naked in the garden. They sinned, and then all of a sudden they became aware of their nakedness. They felt the need to clothe themselves, to find the lambskin and put something over themselves because they were all of a sudden aware that they were naked. And I think that manifests itself today in our lives where we are constantly worried about the way we look. We're constantly worried about the things that we accumulate, constantly worried about what we do, what we, what, what we can become. I mean, and in our culture as well, I, it drives our economy. Watch commercials. I was watching this commercial the other night. Uh, it's for Kettle One Vodka. I don't know if y'all have seen this commercial. It's all these guys in these suits in this like bar or whatever, and the, this guy comes over the with, over the my, uh, the speakers or whatever, saying, "There was a night when men acted like men, when men were really the essence of a true man, and it was last night when they were drinking Kettle One." I was like, "I, I didn't drink Kettle One vodka last night. I, I am clearly not a man. You know what I mean? Like." And, and it may not be that obvious, but it's subtlety saying that, you know what, you are not enough the way that you are. You need to become more. You need to buy more. You need to consume more. And, I mean, it, it literally drives our, our economy. I mean, if you watch any, any music video, go to any concert, watch any, te- watch any athlete on TV. And I, pr- I told my wife I was not going to get up here and bash Kanye West, but <laughs> I, I, I had to scratch out a lot of paragraphs in my notes because I was going to call this the Kanye West guy to uh, humility. And it, it, it was just, what amazed me the most about that, about that whole episode, and I read about it in the papers or whatever, and it's just phenomenal how like Twitter and Facebook and all these, uh, just the internet has completely changed how we, how we receive information. You know, like used to, you know, you would have to get up the next morning and read in the paper or actually watch the BMAs or whatever it was. Uh, but now, I mean, I got home from church that night, and I'm telling you, my Facebook page, the home page was nothing but... Can you believe what Kanye West did? And it amazed me because as, as much as we are saturated with, with pride and, 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 and a lack of humility, I don't think there was a person on this planet that saw pride personified, basically, on, on that stage at the VMAs and was like, that's awesome what Kanye West just did. That's, I think every single one of us saw that and was like, whoa, <laughs> that was a little too much. But I think the truth is, it is everywhere we turn. 
prideful messages. You need to be more, become more. It is all about you. Uh, and that is something that we as Christians need to fight against. If you talk about athletes, you know, there's kind of a trend to tap your chest and point up or whatever. And I, I don't know these guys' hearts or whatever, but I think, I think it'd be, you like that? Yeah. Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone that after achieving the pinnacle of athletic success to acknowledge Christ and God as the source of, except for Tim Tebow. And I just want to say, when he went down last night, or uh, yeah, yesterday, I, I just have a, a little bit of a man crush on Tim Tebow. Um, I mean, I'm just going to, I know he plays for Florida or whatever on October 10th. I'm sure I'm going to just hate his guts or whatever, but I just feel like if there's, if there's one guy that's, well, Kurt Warner too. Uh, I like that guy. I don't know why I'm getting on this. Sorry, I'm, I'm back. But like, and it's, it's, it's our fault though. We push these, not, not Tim Tebow and, and Kurt Warner, but but all of the selfish and prideful athletes. We, I, I drafted Terrell Owens and, and in my fantasy football league. I would have drafted Randy Moss. And I don't know, for those of you who don't know, like if, if, if arrogance took the form of a person, it would probably be either Terrell Owens or, or, or Randy Moss. Like the, they just are prideful people. And, and it's our fault. We push these guys to success. But the problem is that it's not something that we can look in society, we can look at athletes and, and superstars and, and, and rap stars and say, man, you know what, they got it wrong. They, they need to become more like us because the truth of the matter, Christians are not immune. And I would even say that sometimes Christians are the worst because we cloak it behind the gospel. Our prideful opinion, our, us, it's all about me, it's all about what I want, you need to become more like me. A lot of times our message, what we have to say to people is lost because we are just so prideful. Um, I think it's what makes us, what makes Christians come into a church, sing about the grace of God and how we are, we are nothing and oh how he loves us and it is all because of him and then go out there and push our own agendas on people, our own opinions and tell them you need to become more like me rather than you need to become more like Christ. I think that is the key, that we need to constantly be living a life that points to Christ. Um, I, I, it's, it's what causes us to push our opinions. I, 1 Corinthians 13 makes it very clear. It says, love is not proud. You cannot walk out of this room and, and, and attempt to love people with Christ's love and have a proud, a proud spirit. It cannot happen. We have to humble ourselves before God and, and, and realize that, that pride is all about what I want, where humility is all about what he wants. Pride is what I can become, and, and humility is what he made me. Um, and I was listening to a guy, uh, Frank Friedman, who's a, pa a local pastor, and he was talking about, uh, he had a guy in his office one time who was just really upset that the divorce rate among Christian missionaries had surpassed the divorce rate from non-Christians. And he just thought that that was just so upsetting, and, just, and, and it is, it's, it's pretty sad. Um, but he asked the pastor, he said, look, what, why do you think that is? And, and, and Friedman said, you know what? I think it is because we have become educated criminals. And what he meant by that is, like, if you take someone who is a chronic offender, a criminal who just through and through knows nothing else, and you put him in prison, and you teach him all this stuff, you put him in all these college classes, and you, give him, uh, you teach him math, you teach him uh, all these different subjects, and then you release him out into the world, all you have is an educated 
criminal. He is going to be more equipped to commit the very crimes he was committing before he went into prison. We have to deal with that root issue. And I think it's the same thing with us as Christians. We have to deal with the root issue, the pride that cast Satan out of heaven, the pride that brought sin into the world through Adam and Eve, the pride that lives in each and every one of our hearts. If we don't deal with that issue, then we are nothing but just educated criminals. And we are pushing things on other people without love, without grace, without mercy that Jesus Christ came to give us. I think it is key. But the underlying truth and what scares me about, about pride is that I think the Bible is very clear that there will come a day when the proud will be humbled. You read throughout Scripture, it's coming. It may not be now, it may not be tonight, it may not be tomorrow, it may not be for a month, but someday, it may not be till we die and get to heaven, but there's going to come a time when the proud are going to be humbled. In Luke 14, 11, you have to turn there. I'm going to say a lot of scriptures. I promise I'm, it's in the Bible. I'm not trying to start a cult or anything. Uh, y'all would just get very frustrated with me if we were going back and forth. But Luke 14, 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. Proverbs 16, 19 says, It is better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than divide the spoil with the proud. Proverbs 16, 5, Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be punished. He will not be unpunished. Proverbs 8, 13, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride. I hate arrogance, corruption, and perverse speech. And then Psalms 9.12 says, For he who requires blood remembers them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Basically saying the same thing, that God opposes the proud. And so I want to I just wanna advocate to you, just please, if you get anything from tonight, it is that we as Christians need to make, maybe take an about face and not focus on who we are, but focus on what Christ has done. I've got three points, sort of. Um, and it's basically if we are, okay, you say, all right, so... I know it's bad to be proud, but you just said that humility can, is not something that I can attain. I want to talk to you tonight about the pursuit of humility. If you have your Bible, open up to Romans chapter 12, starting in ver- or just verse 3, really. And I, I think it's going to be on the screen. Yes. Romans 12, 3. This is Paul writing to the Romans. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I think it has to start there. I think it has to start with the fact that God has saved each and every one of us and he has given us a measure of faith and that we should not think of ourselves more highly then we are, that God has done so much and he has made us exactly who he wants us to be. He has equipped us with gifts. He has equipped us with a purpose. And too many times we as Christians think, you know what, I understand that I may be gifted in this area, but nobody's going to notice me if I, if I serve Christ in that area. I want to do this. I think that is exactly what, what Paul is, is, is speaking against here. He is saying, you know what, God has given you a measure of faith. You need to serve God in the way that he has called you to serve. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Mark Driscoll is a pastor. Um, real quick, I, I, 
I, I really felt like God was leading me to, to preach on humility. And I have a friend who I heard preach long ago, a guy I worked at a summer at Pine Cove with eight years ago or whatever. He's a pastor now. He preached a sermon that I heard, and I was like, man, you know, I'm going to take a lot of his references or whatever. It's really good stuff, a lot of the scripture that he used. And come to find out, he stole everything from Mark Driscoll, who, come to find out, stole everything from a guy named C.J. Mahaney, uh, who wrote the book. If there is a book that you want to read on humility, C.J. Mahaney, we did a, a community group series on it. Uh, C.J. Mahaney, humility, phenomenal. But Mark Driscoll was asked one time, Mark, how do you remain humble in light of Mars Hill's success? Mars Hill is his church. It's meetings in Seattle. They've got like seven, so I don't know how many camp campuses they have, several campuses. They're satellite all over the country. Uh, how do you remain humble in light of Mars Hill's success? And he said this, he says, I am a kite and Jesus is a hurricane. In the midst of a hurricane, it would be ridiculous for me to boast about my ability to fly. It's like even in a hurricane, the most beat up, ragged, messed up kite can fly pretty good. And I think that's a good perspective to have. To understand that, 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 yes, we have been gifted, we have been given a purpose, but everything stems from Christ. He is the power that supplies us to go out and serve. If we go out and serve without Christ's power, without his, his grace and his mercy and his love, and we're not spewing that on everyone we come into contact with, I think we're missing the point. And I think we're just going to be perpetuating this educated criminal uh, phenomenon. Next verse, sets, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm moving around a lot. I'm sorry if you didn't, didn't go to Bible drill. Uh, but they'll be on the screen, so it'll be cool. 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12. This is, again, Paul writing to Timothy, who's a young, uh, his, his, his apprentice, essentially. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man, he was shown, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's, what it, here's the, one of the greatest statements in, in, uh, in, I think, all of Paul's letters. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. See, I think if we're going to pursue humility, the first thing we have to do is recognize that humility requires an appropriate view of ourselves. And that's what I've been talking about in these verses, that we have to see ourselves as dependent, fully dependent on Christ. See, Paul, I think I've said this before, Paul was, is known today as Paul the Apostle. And if your middle name is the in the Bible, you really had it together. I mean, this came at a time, I don't know a ton about church history, but Paul was bringing hundreds, thousands, I don't know how many people to, to the Christian faith. I mean, he was doing it. People wanted him to write letters to their church to encourage him. They wanted to know what he thought about these doctrinal issues. I like to think in first century, whatever, he was, he was kind of the man. But he still had this perspective that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. He still was completely dependent on Christ's mercy, Christ's grace, and Christ's love. Turn with me now to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. 
Some of you might be thinking, awesome, I'm not a young man. Shut down. But wait. All of you, every single one of you, clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Then verse 7, cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. I think there's a reason that Peter talks about humbling yourself and then immediately goes to cast all your anxiety on him. Because I think this is one of the ways that pride is a little more subtle. That pride creeps up in our life and that is in the way that we worry. Anxiety screams, it is all about me and what I can do and what I can't do. Humility is dependent on Christ and understanding that he is in control of every situation. Uh, my family's here. My wife is pregnant. Um, she is 36 weeks pregnant today, which they tell you to pack a bag at 36 weeks, which is pretty awesome and scary at the same time. Um, but we've, we've got a baby coming, and it is really easy for me to worry about every single thing that, that is happening with this child. But no matter how much I worry, there is literally nothing I can do. Absolutely nothing. And that's a humbling place, especially for someone like me who considers myself like a, a fixer. You know, if there's a problem, we need to break it down. You know, we need, to, we need to find out what's going on. We need to do everything we can to make sure that we're doing everything we can. That, and, and, and seriously, that's, that's how I think sometimes. I just feel like I need to be doing something. And a lot of times that manifests, manifests itself in worrying. If there's nothing I can do, I'm just going to worry. I'm going to get on WebMD. I'm going to get on all these websites. And I am going to worry. That's pride. That is me looking at myself and saying, I can do this. I can't do that. So I'm just going to sit back and worry. That is all pride. And Peter, I think, really well puts these two together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Pride manifests itself in our anxiety. All right, if, if first step, humility requires an appropriate view of ourselves, I think humility, secondly, also requires an appropriate view of other people. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read a little bit, but I hope you bear with me. Uh, and then we're going to come back and what I call pull a causey, and that is break it down uh, in sections so that we can all follow it. Shout out. Um, Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort in your love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look to the interests of, uh, should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this is when he just slams them. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Good attitude to have. Who, being in the very nature, God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, being, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Be humble, just like Christ. Paul opens this up with a talk about being like-minded, which I find kind of odd um, before he goes into this big deal about, about selfishness. And you might think, well, you might have expected me to just blow by that, but I want to touch on it for a second. Um, be like-minded. I, mean, I, I just look around this room in our church alone, the people that I know and come into contact with, I think being of like mind is difficult. And, and that's because we're so different, you know, in the way we think about things, in the way we process things, the things that we want, the way we think things should be. We're all so different. But the truth is, I think God, I think God likes that. I mean, you, you go into the, the body of Christ and how we're all, some are the feet, some are the hands. Um, I think God likes that. And I think we as a church need to embrace diversity in that sense. I think if you look around the room, you'll notice very quickly that everyone in this room looks like me and probably thinks a lot like me. And I don't think that's something we should strive for. I think Martin Luther King said one time that the most segregated time in all of America is Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. And I think, and we don't meet at 11, obviously, but his point is that the church has remained completely segregated while the rest of the world has started to embrace diversity. I think that is something, I, I take Angel Cutno, I don't know if she's here tonight or not, but I take Angel Cutno as a perfect example of someone who can reach a group of people that I'll never be able to reach through her personality, through her background, through her experiences. She can go out and minister to a group of people that I may not be able to reach. And I think God desires that. I think that's something that we should all strive for. Not just diversity in the way we look, but diversity in the way we think. Diversity, you know, I think there's a lot of people outside this room that would say, I'm not going, I'm not going to church because I'm not a Republican. I think that we as, as a church have kind of cornered ourselves, and I, this is not going to be a political message. Please don't, don't take that from this message. But I'm, all I'm saying is that processing information in a different way than you might is not always a bad thing. In fact, I think it's a necessary thing. Because if we're going to reach the masses, if we're going to reach even the city of Baton Rouge, then this church can't look completely different and think completely different than the city of Baton Rouge. We need all kinds of people. But we still have to deal with this of like mind, that Christ is calling us to be unified and to be of like mind. And I think we need to distinguish between, between the two things, that we need diversity on the one hand, in the way we process information, in the, way, the things we like, the things we don't like, the way we look, the way we dress, the way we talk, we need diversity. But on core issues, we need to be like-minded. We as a church need to be like-minded in the sense that people matter to the Ring Community Church. We need to be like-minded in the fact that we are passionately pursuing Christ. Those things, like-minded. Everything else, diversity. Paul then goes on to say, in humility, consider others more important than yourselves. I think at the base level, pride is what keeps us from putting others above ourselves. Um, it, I just wonder what 
Christ church would look like if we fully embodied this passage, those first 11 verses of Philippians chapter 2. If we walked out of this building and said, you know what, I am going to consider others more important than me. What would the divorce rate be? What would the teen pregnancy rate be? What would the suicide rate be? I think our world would look completely different if Christians started saying, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that others are more important than me. He says, don't look to your own interests, but also look to the interests of others. And I think we see that in the death of Christ. Christ didn't die for himself. He was already God. He set the example about laying himself down for you and me, for other people. And it, tomorrow you may not be called to die for another person, but you are going to be called to lay yourself down in some way. And if you're not, you need to be seeking out opportunities to lay yourself down for other people because that is what Christ did. And if we are going to portray the message of Christ, we have to take on that same attitude, that I will humble myself to, to lay myself down, to place others above ourselves. Humility requires an appropriate view of other people. Third and lastly, humility requires an appropriate view of God. In Galatians 6, we don't have to turn there, um, but Paul states in Galatians 6 that he will boast in nothing but the cross. And, I, and John Piper, one, years ago, uh, preached a sermon um, about this, this passage, and he went through the scriptures and he pointed out examples of Paul literally boasting in other things, whether it was you know, how strong he was in prison or whether how you know, graceful he was to a certain person who had, had sinned in some way or whether he was ministering to other people. He boasts in all kinds of things. And then he'll come back in, in, in Galatians 6 and say, I boast, may I boast in nothing but the cross. And the point of that message and the point I want to make to you tonight is that Paul, once again, has a great perspective because Paul saw everything that he did, every mission he went on, every prayer he prayed, every person he ministered to, all of that came from the cross. That if not for the cross, he would be able to accomplish nothing. And I think that is so important for us to realize that we need to be placing, we need to have an appropriate view of God we need to put God in, his proper, in, in, in a proper place as the supplier of our power, the supplier of every single thing that we do. Philippians 2, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He skips on down and he said, he became obedient. He humbled himself and became obedient even unto death. See, Jesus Christ is the perfect example of humility. And I think if we are going to make a turn right now and walk out this building and say, you know what, I'm going to stop being prideful and I'm going to start pursuing humility, then we have to start with the example of Christ who did not have to come to earth and die for our sins. He didn't want to. If you read the crucifixion story, Jesus Christ got down on his knees and said, God, if there be any other way let this bitter cup pass from me. He didn't want to die for our sins. But in the end, he said, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. I think that is so important. If we are going to be humble people, we have to every day in every situation say, God, not my will, but your will be done. It is not my will. It is his will. 
I want to close with this Psalms 131. It's a very short psalm. You can turn there if you like, or you can just follow along with me. My heart is not proud, O Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not consider myself with great matters. I concern myself with great matters. Are things too wonderful for me? But I have stilled my soul. I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord now and forever. And I hope that is the cry of our church, that we will put our hope in the Lord, that we will recognize that because of what Jesus did, and only because of what Jesus did, we can now go and share love with the people we come into contact with. We can now go and accomplish things in our life, but we have to maintain that perspective that we must become less and Christ must become more. Uh, Bow your heads with me and let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for allowing me to even stand up here and preach this message without striking me down as soon as I open my mouth. God, I acknowledge that I am a prideful person, but I acknowledge, God, that you died and you gave me your humility and you took my pride, that my pride now rested on you at the cross and you have given me everything I need pertaining to life and godliness. God, I thank you that I can now walk out this door and pursue humility. May that be the cry of my heart tonight tomorrow, and for the rest of my life. God, I thank you for what you've done in me. God, and I pray a blessing over my brothers and sisters in this room. Lord, it's in your name I pray. Amen.